Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Two Out the First for Labor Day, September the 5th, 2022. I'm Ryan Ballinger. Great to have you with us. We are presented by our friends at French Lick Resort. We have two stories for you, the two biggest stories in golf for the day. Um, we obviously didn't have any PGA Tour action over the weekend, but we did have four other tournaments of significance, including the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, ra- wrapping up the Corn Ferry Tour Finals, getting those 50 cards all sorted out for next season. We also had the Dana Open on the LPGA Tour in Sylvania, Ohio, which turned out to be a really fantastic finish uh, with a lot of named players and a number of players going low, one of those players winning. Then the Maiden Himmerland on the DP World Tour, their stop in Denmark, which is kind of low-key, one of the more popular stops on the DP World Tour. And then we have the Live Golf Invitational Series wrap-up in Massachusetts at the International Golf Club. Uh, I guess we'll start there briefly. Um, to have Dustin Johnson as your champion for the first time, uh, even though he's contended in, in really all four of the events that they've had so far, uh, I think is probably the best thing that could have happened to live out of this. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to propel them into the, the front conversation, but they certainly had a couple of moments this week that grabbed some attention of maybe the broader sporting consciousness. Matt Wolf had a hole in one, the first in the history of Liv's events. Um, you know, four round, four tournaments of three rounds each, but you know, in twelve rounds, first hole in one, and that that seemed to get some attention at least on a quiet sports weekend. And then you had Dustin Johnson winning with a rammed in eagle on the playoff hole between himself and Honorbon Lahiri and Joaquin Neiman, so two new live players got themselves into a playoff on a day where the final round was a, a lot of saw a lot of movement. The, the, the score to get into a playoff was 15 under 195. Three guys got there. Uh, you had Cam Smith get relatively close trying to charge back. You had Lee Westwood's part of it. I mean, a number of players were, were in the conversation, handful, half dozen. Uh, obviously, the bottom of the bottom is still really bad for live golf, and I, I think it's going to continue to be that way, uh, maybe even perhaps by design. But at the end of the telecast or the broadcast, at least in the United States, a stream, they had about 170,000 people watching. Now, that compares to earlier in the week on Friday and Saturday when they had basically no one watching. I mean, worse numbers than even the first live event for most of the time. So, again, I don't know that anything has really changed. I don't don't know that anything has really moved the needle, Uh, just like any kind of golf tournament, if you get an interesting finish and you get interesting names involved, there's there's probably a decent chance that people are going to find their way to it. Now, that happens on every major tour, by the way. Then I can tell you from personal experience of running Golf News Net all these years, even tournaments that you don't think have brand name players, but they turn into a marathon. So, for example, that long playoff with Harris English at the Travelers, not this year, but last year, where it just kept going and going and going. And and eventually people realized, hey, this thing's been going on a long time. I'm, I'm going to be invested in this. And, and the numbers pick up for it. The, the playoff between Will Zaltoris and Sepp Straka in Memphis, not the highest quality golf you've ever seen, 
but the the results were really really fascinating. Uh, I mean, we've had other strings like that in DP World Tour events, LPGA events, events that maybe didn't even have a good TV window, but for whatever reason, people got wind of it at the end and they got invested in the outcome. So uh, that that's something worth noting, something you got to know about this. But for the most part, I'd say this is about the same general audience as the other three live golf events. Uh, the quality of golf was pretty good. The product for me is still really hard to watch. It, I, I don't, I get the shotgun start. I get the team component. I'm not particularly invested in either. I mean, the team thing's kind of interesting, but it, it's not necessarily very well spelled out to the, to the viewer. And the shotgun start thing is kind of interesting in that it's different but and that I've played it in pretty much every scramble I've ever played in, but not in an individual competition where you didn't have to play the same holes your opponent just played or or vice versa if you're uh, the chaser. And trying to kind of manage your way through the golf course as everyone else has, try- has already done it before you. I, I, I still can't reckon with that. Like It, it kind of ruins the flow of the telecast to me. I, I find it very difficult to get invested in because it's just golf shot after golf shot after golf shot. And some people I think find that interesting because it it is a lot of golf and they have no commercials because they have no sponsors. So they have nothing to do, but to show golf. Um, But I think that everything that has kind of come out from live, that's been kind of branded as some kind of revolutionary change for the viewer has really been intended for the convenience of the players. 54 holes, obviously one round less. Shotgun start. Start at the same time. No morning and afternoon waves. No bad draw. It's all the same draw. I mean, unless the course conditions change, which is possible, but that's really inside baseball. The team component gives you an out, right? It gives you an out to make money, even if you didn't play well that week. Hello, Pat Perez. Hello, Patrick Reed. But those are really geared toward players, Wearing shorts. I have absolutely no problem with pros wearing shorts. Frankly, it, it should be allowed at, at every level of professional golf. But that's not necessarily an innovation. That's not something that's going to convince me to suddenly watch more professional golf because you can wear shorts. It's really just for the player. And I, as a player that has tried to play competitive golf and been able to wear shorts, I think it's totally fine and it's more kind of a this is ridiculous that you have to wear pants kind of thing not uh oh isn't this so much better for the fan because you can wear shorts do whatever you want don't care that's fine um yeah interesting week i guess for for the live folks and now 18 of the play well now 17 martin keimer is withdrawn but 17 live players are entered into the dp world tours bmw pga championship one of my favorite events of the year it's played at Wentworth Club. Uh, Ernie Els has gotten some very interesting feedback over the years on his work redoing the, the host course at Wentworth. And he's kind of cleaned it up to a degree, and some of it's not cleaned up, but the finish is fascinating. They have back-to-back par fives there, and to really make you have to be aggressive all the way to the finish because you never know what's going to happen. And Billy Horschel's defending champion, which I think is kind of funny. I hit on that bet last year, but now you've got... 17 players from Liv who are going from Massachusetts, flying out of Logan, presumably, uh, probably in a private jet, 
going over to Wentworth. And a number of them flew through the night overnight to get to a DP World Tour player meeting this week uh, so that they could talk to the European Tour group chief executive, uh, Keith Pelly, about the quote-unquote strategic alliance with the PGA Tour. They want to kind of question him about it. They, they want to make a scene about it. As I mentioned, Mark Heimer withdrew. He said he didn't want to play in a tournament where he wasn't welcome. So there's kind of two schools of thought on this, apparently. Make a scene and try to make something of it. And one of those guys is Ian Poulter, who is one of the group of guys who got an arbitration ruling in their favor to play in the Scottish Open uh, on the co-sanctioned event between the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour because they challenged any sanctions against live players made by the DP World Tour. So... There's there's still probably plenty to come this week on that front. That's a distraction from the golf. I think the other big tournament of the week is obviously the Corn Ferry Tour Championship. You've got 50 players who came out of the end result of that tournament now having some kind of PGA Tour uh, status for next year. And if you take a look at who did what, I mean, Justin still won the tournament. That was his first win on the Corn Ferry Tour, and hopefully for him, it's the last win he ever has to have on the tour because that means he gets to the PGA Tour, gets there with fully exempt status for next season, which is really important. That gets him not only into pretty much any PGA Tour event he'd like that's not necessarily one of the elevated events, and he could still get into some of those, but he also gets into the Players' Championship automatically. He also gets into the U.S. Open automatically. That is a relatively new exemption for the Corn Ferry Tour. And so that means he's got himself into a major and a a huge dollar event. It's not a major, but major light tournament right away. And that's absolutely huge for him. And then you have Will Gordon, who won the finals list because he won the first event in Boise and no one ever caught up to him in terms of dollars points. So for him, he gets the same thing. And that that's a pretty big deal as, as well, obviously being able to really command your schedule for the year and go from there. But then you kind of look down the list of the 50 total players that got through, particularly through the finals, right? We're, we're not necessarily just talking about uh, the regular season. We knew those 25, they're shuffling in the finals for what's called priority order. So the PGA Tour has a way of determining who gets in events and in what specific order. And so you have categories of types of players that you are. So if you've won a major, if you've won the players, if you won the FedEx Cup, you're way at the top of the list. Technically, if you're a lifetime member, you're at the top of the list, but there's kind of ways around that. If you're a PGA Tour winner if you of a non-major event or a non-players event, uh, if you're a winner of a WGC, you get three years out of that, but you're you're a winner. If you finish in the top 125 in the, or top 30 in the Tour Championship, now you have a two-year exemption. You are in your own category. If you get into the playoffs at all in the top 125, you're in a category. And then it goes down to a, a group of players is called the reshuffle players. So players who finish 126 to 150 in the FedEx Cup, the players who graduated from the Corn Ferry Tour, the players who graduated from the Corn Ferry Tour Finals, and then there are some other players who are either playing on a medical extension or p- close to an end of an extension, stuff like that. They are all thrown into a mixing bowl, effectively. Now, they start out the season with this order that 
has been published, and we have it on our website, golfnewsnet.com, and that really determines how easily you get into the fall series events. For the most part, these guys are going to get into all the fall series events if they wish, uh, for two reasons. One, a lot of the top players don't play the fall series, or, or, or if they do, they, they play once or twice, and that's it. And frankly, Live opens up a lot of spots. You got a lot of guys that potentially could have played one or two, maybe even three or four events in the fall series that have moved to Live. So that creates 10, 15 opportunities for players who might not uh, have had them throughout the entire series before. And then after those events, they do what's called a reshuffle. So they take all the players in that mixing bowl and they say, where are you at in, the, in FedEx Cup points? Based on that order, that determines the order you get into the next six or so tournaments. And then they do it five or six times throughout the year doing the reshuffle. So it's really important to continue to play well throughout the year, but you have opportunities to move up dramatically and improve your opportunities to get into tournaments depending on how you play. So that's why the fall is really important for these Corn Ferry Tour grads and the finals grads, because this is really going to set them up for the start of the calendar year because it gets really hard to get into PGA Tour events in January, really particularly in February and March because the Florida swing is very popular in February and I guess part of January. You've got the California swing, the desert swing as well. So you've got Pebble, really particularly you've got Riviera, although that's now an elevated event. So we'll see if anything really changes about who gets into that. You've got... Uh, Torrey Pines, which is kind of the unofficial start of the year. You've got Phoenix Open, which is only 132 players. So it's really hard to get into that event if you are not a fully exempt player already from last season. So this order that you can, again, look at a golfdoesnet.com really gives you everything you need to know. It, it, this is what this, what this means to these guys. If you're in the top 20 of this priority list, you probably won't have a problem getting into events for a while. But once we get into calendar 2023, if you don't play well, you're deep doo-doo. <laughs> a lot of bad stuff can happen very quickly. So if you're someone like Austin Cook, who was ninth on the finals list, got his card back, good for him. He's back on the PGA Tour. But if he doesn't make a cut basically in the fall, his year could almost be over before it gets started. And that's that's a high-pressure situation. So, yes, kudos to these guys. It's great that you graduated. Great that either you got your card back or got it for the first time or got it for the first time in a long time, whatever. But that doesn't mean you're in the clear. There's a lot to come from that. Now, an interesting thing that we don't really know the answer to yet is for next year, you know, after the 2023 season, the top 30 players in Corn Ferry Tour points, regular season points, will earn PGA Tour cards. So that's what the Corn Ferry Tour is going to offer. What we don't really understand is how it's all going to come together with the new PGA Tour schedule. Because after this season, there will no longer be a fall series as we know it now as part of a wraparound schedule. The season will start in January. So you're going to have a fall series that doesn't really mean a whole lot, except it's going to mean something to maintaining or regaining PGA Tour status. That hasn't been fully fleshed out yet. 
But obviously, we're going to have 30 players from the Corn Fairy Tour get some kind of status, and then we're going to figure out what that looks like the rest of the way for the players who didn't get into the playoffs. Because mind you, starting after next season, only the top 70 players are going to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs. So that that system of having the top 125 qualify, because that's always been the round number for the PGA Tour for, for as long as I can remember, 125. That keeps your status. But that's not going to get you into the playoffs anymore. So the top 70 are going to be fully exempt. Now that's going to leave 55 spots that were once secured out there in the wild. And I don't know if what they're going to wind up doing is saying, okay, we're going to have a fall series. We're going to take those 55 spots. We're going to take the 25 spots that we had reserved for the Corn Ferry Tour Finals. And we're going to put all that together into this new fall series, whatever it's called, in all these events. So you'll have 80 cards up for grabs, hypothetically, doing that math. I think that would be pretty interesting. It would be a little bit more compelling. Obviously, if you kind of do the math, they probably try to keep the purses about the same for those particular events. And then you maybe keep the CJ Cup and the Zozo, and if they still have the WGC in China, although they, they may not ever again. If you have those events, you keep them separate, and those are just kind of the big events for the the fall series. Maybe maybe that becomes the international series, so to speak. It's just Asia-based. I don't know. But there's a lot to work out there. There's a lot of unknowns. So I think there's even more pressure on these players not fully knowing the entire picture of what could happen to them if they lose their card through the end of this season. Lots lots and lots of intrigue on that front. Uh, it makes... Uh, it's one of my favorite things about golf is that there's, it goes back, and it's, this isn't meant to be a live shot, but there's, you earn every step of the way. You earn everything that you get. And this is creating kind of another layer of trying to earn it, I guess, to a degree that we're just going to have to kind of follow. To the end, a couple fall, closing thoughts that I didn't get to in this podcast, but um, a big win on the, the DP World Tour. It was a really cool finish. I really love the Himmerland event. It's it's a fun resort to watch. It, it really does get a whole lot of local support. Oliver Wilson won for the first time in almost exactly eight years on Sunday. He had a great, great final round to do it. Really crowded leader where Ewan Ferguson was going for his third win of the season. And Oliver Wilson really was emotional after winning. And we've seen a lot of that this year in the DP World Tour. Uh, Richie Ramsey did it when he won because he had heartbreak the week prior before he won. There's been a lot of that this year. Guys who maybe you thought were out of it, maybe were done, aren't done. And to to see Oliver Wilson get emotional, talk about how you probably could, and a lot of golfers who kind of go through this stretch say it, they, you know, they saw something, they saw positives, they saw things going in the right direction, even if the results, even if the statistics didn't necessarily bear that out week to week, but they were moving in the right direction. They had something to be positive about. He put something positive together wins, extends his career, obviously. Uh, he's got much better status now on the DP World Tour. This guy used to be in the top 40 in the world. No longer, obviously. Falling down 750 spots, basically. And he's now going to move up radically. I mean, he's not going to be into the top 100, but he's going to move up radically overnight because of what he accomplished in, in Denmark. Gabby Lopez, same thing. Has been a winner on the LPGA Tour. Kind of figured maybe she was going to be a big thing. 
It didn't necessarily pan out that way. She's a nice player, but hadn't won in a while. Had a great final round. Just really hot throughout the entire final round scoring-wise. She was way out of contention, seemingly, with a tight leaderboard going into the final round. I mean, you thought maybe Lexi Thompson or, or Lucy Lee, the 19-year-old, who was the youngest player ever to compete in the U.S. Women's Open. She's heading to the LPGA Tour because she's already won twice in the Epson Tour. And she winds up not winning, but Gabby Lopez does. Again, you kind of earn it, and you kind of go through these long, toiling stretches in the desert, uh, in golf, so to speak, where you just can't find it. And then you find it for, for one weekend, and it hooks you right back in, and it gets you right back where you need to be. And that doesn't happen for every golfer, but when it does, I think it's a really cool story, and I, I really enjoy it. So check out those tournaments as well. Uh, if you get a chance to check out those leaderboards, it'll be on golfnewsnet.com. Uh, this week, we got a lot to talk about. Um, we've got the debut of the new tournament on the LPGA in Cincinnati. We've uh, we got the BMW PGA Championship. We have a week off for the Corn Ferry Tour and the PGA Tour. We have a week off for Live Golf before they get ready for their event in Chicago. So there's still two big tournaments to, to think about this week. We've also got uh, the Champions Tour in St. Louis, which we'll talk about a little bit this week. Also, to let you know, we're going to kick off a golf betting podcast, similar format to this, 15 to 20 minutes a day, going over just some ideas, long-term thoughts, short-term thoughts, stats, projections, all kinds of stuff. It's going to be called The Press. Uh, that'll be coming out this week, so check that out when you have a chance. Thank you so much for listening to the show. I'm Ryan Balangie. Please give us a five-star review if you subscribe to a service that lets you do that kind of thing. You can find us on your favorite social media service at the handle Golf News Net. You can follow me. I do most of my stuff on Twitter, at Ryan Ballingy. And thank you again for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow.